winning is obviously very important to you. Now, winning for winning's sake is important. But do you like to beat another man? Yeah, I do. Yes, I like to beat another man. <laughs> well, you smile about it. Yeah. You like to crush another man's ego? Uh-huh. So when they go home that night, you know, they know that they're, they can't kid themselves that they're so hot, you know. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. And I am the ghost of Bobby Fisher, Kate Rumbo, as Bobby Fisher. Hello. Hey, Rambo, Hi. the holiday season is officially upon us. Sadly. The worst Thank- time of year, you mean. The worst. The I time know. I just get grouchier and crappity as the days go on. Well, for the Yanks, Thanksgiving is this week. Um, and you know you know what's funny? I already lost the holiday season. You know how like everyone says like for the holidays, if you once you hear Wham's last Christmas, like it's over. Oh, is it? Is it like, Wham's? I would have thought it might have been Mariah Carey. But I listen to Mariah Carey all year long, so it doesn't bother me. No, it's that, you know, that last Christmas I gave you my I heart. I gave you my heart. When, whenever I you love hear George that Michael. in a store or on the radio, you pretty much lost the holidays. Like, you're, you, you've lost. You've already, it's over for you. I love George Michael. I will listen to George Michael anytime. I don't see it as a loss. Well, that's just, you know, that's the game they play on the internet. It's like yeah, okay. whether or not you hear that. Same with that Mariah Carey song, too. But I think the wham is the, the meme that they made out of it last Christmas. And so I went to fucking CVS to go buy discounted candy corn. More on that. <laughs> more on that on the second show. But I went to go buy discounted candy corn. And uh, first song I hear as I walk into that fucking place last Christmas. I almost just like screamed at the cashier. Just like, why are you playing this song? It's not even December. They should at least wait till December. Yeah. But don't you just love George Michael? I mean, rest in peace to George Michael because he was a fucking icon and I loved how cheeky he was. I wish uh, he would come back. I don't know. You know, of all the Yank holidays, you might end up liking Thanksgiving more than the others. I, I, now, hear me out on this because I know you hate holidays. But I hate thanks- fast fun, yes. Well, Thanksgiving... I've hated it as a kid because you'd have to go to my aunt's and she'd forget that I'm vegetarian or purposely try to get me not to be vegetarian because she thought it was bad for my health. And so I just grew up hating Thanksgiving. And then- Was this the same auntie who says, with the weird personality? Yeah, this is my aunt, my aunt Nancy. Aunt Nancy, I mean, okay. she's dead now, but it was years ago. But then later on, as you get older, you, you know, you date girlfriends and then you're forced to go to their families because my my parents never really did a big thanksgiving thing like they it wasn't a big i think maybe because my we uh-huh. grew up in south africa so we never really celebrated it that much so it wasn't like a big deal for us yeah and your dad's british and my dad's so. british so it wasn't like a, a big deal so anyway every year i'd have to go to like a girlfriend's family and it's just a grueling fucking chore to have to spend with your own family let alone the family of a significant other you know, yeah, that's worse. why I stopped doing Christmases with exes. I would just flat out refuse. They'd be like, are you going to go? I was like, no, why should I? Don't force me. Never force me to do anything because I'll just go and I'll be miserable while I'm there. Well, it's just miserable anyway. You know, I had one ex who had a redneck family and her Thanksgiving dinners were incredible. I think I've 
I've mentioned her on the show before. Like those, those were a lot of fun. Actually, she she had a the, the family had a neighbor named Red who I, I remember like everyone was drunk and they're doing karaoke and during the song he I forgot it was like a Willie Nelson song or something he accused uh-huh. his wife of cheating because he <laughs> caught her cheating and or found text messages on her phone or something and during then, the song during the song he stopped singing. Wow. I mean, the karaoke song was still going, but he stopped singing and just started being like, you cheating bitch. It just went off. And then it was like, they tried to take the mic away from him and a big fight broke. It was amazing. I was just sitting there stoned and kind of drunk being like, I'm going to come back next year for this. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. I'm down for Thanksgiving, uh, like redneck style, where they're going to deep fry a turkey in like a big vat of oil. But anything other than that, I would just be like, it's Christmas. It's Christmas again. And I hate Christmas anyways. So why do I want to celebrate Christmas twice? I don't even want to celebrate it once. I want to celebrate it nonce. Well, that's the thing. With, you know, with my family, it's just basically a dinner party because you're just with Stephanie and, and, and my brother. And then it's just a bunch of friends. So... As I've been older, and actually, I guess my last ex, I used to have to go do Thanksgiving at her family. That sucked. But anyway, this this point forward, it's just Friendsgiving. So you're basically just going to a dinner party and getting wasted. So that's why I'm thinking you like food and you like getting Uh drunk. So you might actually enjoy Thanksgiving more than other holidays in this country when you move here. I will give thanks that my brethren, you know, my DNA traveled all the way across the ocean to rape your land. That's what I will give thanks for. For the British who conquered the world apart from 22 countries. For the Brits. And gave all the Indians smallpox and blankets. We fucking did it. What what are we like? This cheeky, scampy English just walking around the world, taking what's ours. You do get two full days off usually at most office jobs. That's always good. That's pretty good. Yeah. This year, you know, uh, my sister, so I was planning to go up to SF on, uh, on, I'm actually flying on Thanksgiving Day. But it's like an hour. But anyway, when I go up there, she she was planning on having like a big Thanksgiving dinner at her place. But then she's like, I just don't want to fucking cook. And it's just a pain in the ass and it costs so much money. And then her boss, who has a pretty massive disposable income, was like, yeah, I'm going to throw a big party at Tara, like at the event space that she works at. He's like, and it's going to be catered and it's going to be a full open bar, top shelf. Yeah, okay. I am jealous. I want to go to this. I'll I'll talk about it on the second show, but Wackerly and his missus are planning to attend, and Wackerly is very serious about Thanksgiving. Aren't Wackerly and Jer just like the Thanksgiving bros? Well, Jer kind of Jer kind of comes well. Jer kind of comes from like a bit of a white trash family, you know, and so he's used to the white trash Thanksgiving, and so he you know deep fries a turkey. It's like you know uh, it's. People will know what I'm talking about. There's like these aluminum trays that you get at a store that you just throw yeah, away. Yeah, you just. Yeah, and so yeah, like, yeah. you know, they usually have stuffing in one of those trays, and you have corn, and you just have. It's kind of like white trash Thanksgiving, which don't get me wrong, is a good Thanksgiving. I've, I've been to that as well, uh, but that's Jer's type of Thanksgiving. Whereas Wackerly, he takes a, a next the next level. Like Wackerly will make a turducken. <laughs> like he'll go. I can see Wackerly being a turducken man, to be honest. Yeah, he'll go all out, and he's like, and he's serious about it. He'll start cooking like two days in advance, and he'll like make fancy pies. Like he gets really into it. 
Whereas Jared just like he'll go to fucking Ralph's and buy like you know some shitty stuffing and stuff like that. But I mean, it's 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 made from the heart. Yeah, you know? they so. those two definitely need to combine uh, forces at one point and do a Wackily and Jared's first Thanksgiving together. Yeah, no, this well. They probably will, actually. They've done this. Actually, they have done it before. They've done it before. I remember when Wackley and I, in the early days of Sick and Wrong, we lived together in Oakland, and uh, he threw a really big Thanksgiving, and Jared came over, and, and they both cooked. It was, it was a fun time. My dad actually was there. The rabbi was there. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. But for the most part, the holidays are an obligatory slog, and you're forced to spend days with family members mm-hmm. that you only see once a year. For good reason, you see them once a year. You know, uh, my, my most recent ex, her family, God, we used to have to go every, we used to have to go for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It fucking sucked. And her family loved board games, which I just <sighs> absolutely detest. I fucking hate board games. I know you kind of like board games. I hate board games. I like certain board games, but there's also certain board games I am most definitely banned from playing. I, I hate all of them. And I'm not like I'm not shitty at at them actually. In fact, I'm really good at Trivial Pursuit. Like I'm I'm very good at Trivial Pursuit, but that's another one where it kind of edges into the I should not be playing this right now, um, because I'm getting very very angry. Well, you're competitive. I'm I'm not. Yes. I also I just I hate board games. I hate the the act of playing board games. Like why not just watch a fucking movie to pass the time with you know till I'm emancipated from this family obligation. <laughs> You know, it's like a movie, at least no one's talking and we could just stare at the screen. I can go get high. No one will know I'm high. You know, it's like when you're playing fucking board games, you're interacting. But that's the entire point. You want to spend time getting to know each other. But yes, also, I just shouldn't be playing a lot of the board games. So that kind of gets me out of it because I can sit there and say, no, if I play Monopoly with you, we will be playing it until I see you all die. That's how it's going to end. You will all die and I will be queen. You know, the only thing I like about board games is cheating at them. I do like that because I, then they I end earlier. I have also earlier. been known to cheat at board games. Well, because they'll end earlier. You know, it'll be, it'll be, it's, it's a means to an end, no, you know? It's so I'll win. Occam's razor. That's why I cheat. Yeah. You know, I also kind of like playing them till people figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. Have you, have you ever <laughs> heard of a game, a very popular game in Michigan? I call it the party killer but it's popularly known as uh, Euchre. Have you ever heard the term Euchre? Euchre? Is that a card game? It's a card game, yeah. Is it the same as um, Bastard or Wanker? Because I'm very good at that. I'm not sure. In- you Tell know, me it's the rules. In Britain. Um, it's a trick-taking card game that's played in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Great Britain, and the U.S., Bet this is bastard or wanker. Is it like you've got five power cards? So you've got the ace, the two, the seven, and was it the five? And they've all got different things you can do. But We're playing it in an Asian know. Babes music video. I don't fucking know because I sucked at the game and I hated playing it. And the reason I hated Euchre more than other games is because you'd be at a party in Michigan. It's very popular. Very popular in Michigan, especially in Bay City. You'd be at a party, everyone's drinking, hanging out, and then some dickhead will come out and be like, anyone up for Euchre? And it's a team thing. Like you play with a partner and you play against oh, two other people. No. And you sit at a table and you put your card out and there's like a euchre. I, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know how to play. People can okay. call in if you want and explain to me how to play. And I'll be like, fuck you because I don't care. 
So this isn't bastard slash wanker. I think it's known by both those things in the UK. So bastard and wanker, the main aim of the game is you fuck everyone else over so you get rid of your cards first. It's a group game. It's not like a one where you go off into two sets. That is a party killer. Why would you want to just sit with someone else to play a game? You want to play... If you're going to play a card game, you want to play like all 10 of you are playing it and you're trying to fuck over the next person. What would happen in Michigan is like everyone would pair up and then it'd just be four people to a table playing against each other in Euchre and then everyone just play Euchre and then me and Kessler would just be sitting there outside smoking like, fuck this. Yeah, I probably hated, would have gone outside Hated that game more than anything. But what sometimes we'd do is people would be like, anyone want to play Euchre? And then I'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'd pair up with someone and I have no idea how to play how to play the game. Never even learned, never bothered to learn, couldn't care less. And I would just be like throwing cards. And it would usually be like a good ten minutes where they figured out like you don't even know what you're doing. I'm like, oh really? <laughs> Because I'm it's trying at to that sabotage. point that I would flip the table and say, I need a new fucking player because I've been I won't ever win now, you fucking cunt, and then I would leave and go home. I I get I have been known to flip board games in in my past. Well, this week we're gonna talk about people who cheat at tabletop games. Not necessarily Euchre. We're talking about chess. So Kate Rambo, uh, are you a fan of chess? Like did you did you get up really upset and competitive when you played chess? Yeah, yes and no. I went I actually went to chess club after school during like my chess school club. years. Not my teenagers, my like younger school years. And me and my brothers would both go and I got super into it. But I was also like uh known when if I thought I was gonna lose, yeah, I would flip the board. I've also picked up like pieces and thrown them at people when they've made my remarks. Got super into it. So, you're so a sore loser. chess is a game I don't play. So you have like sour grapes. You're a sore loser. I, no, it's not that I'm a sore loser. I'm just very competitive. I'm just so com and other people wouldn't take the game as serious as me as serious as I would. And like I just want to win. I just want Wait. to fucking win. My dad installed this in all three of us. So all three of us could be really bad at playing board games. Wait, like, are you an election terrible denier? Terrible children. Like, are you an election denier? Do you think Donald Trump won? No. Because <laughs> you, you're exhibiting like signs of games. Trump here. Some characteristics of, uh, of the former president. No, it's just board games. I get competitive playing other games too, but it's just like been installed in me. And then like they teach you this during school. Like you just get taught it inherently, especially in like, if you're part of a sports team, you don't fucking lose, do you? You win. Only winners fucking win. I do love when the feeling when you win. It's, I, I'm not ashamed to be competitive. I'm not ashamed. I don't know. Usually I just couldn't care less. It's just a fucking game. But chess, fucking windy. chess is fun. You know, I actually was in a chess club in South Africa because I used to play. Although, you know, it was weird. The rabbi never learned how to play chess. And so I never really yeah. played against him. My brother my brother also wasn't, wasn't a big fan. Jeffrey liked Dungeons and Dragons, so we used to play that. Um, yeah, that's not really chess, though, yeah. is it? No, Jeff it's liked that kind of, different. he liked role-playing games. Uh, my sister, she never really learned to play chess either. So I would just play like other friends. But then, I don't know. I think as I got older in college, I remember I used to play my roommate, uh, Spong. But it just, I kind of, that's when I really started, you know, having a deep-seated loathing for board games. And Spong, <laughs> Andrew Spongberg was his name. We called him the Spong. Spong was like the worst because Spong would take, I don't know, almost 10 minutes between moves to think about it and you'd be like would you hurry the fuck up man i'm not gonna sit here That's and play allowed. for three hours 
No, he would, he would, I'm exaggerating, but he would take like five minutes between each move. Yeah, I would have flipped the ball and walked out the Oh my God, I would just be, usually we never ended the game because I'd be like, you know what? I have other things to do than to sit here and watch you think, ruminating every single position <laughs> for five fucking minutes, you dickhead. I would, yeah, yeah fuck I'd, that. My, I'd lose my patience. Um, but anyway, chess got a lot more interesting recently. I don't, I, you know, I've been waiting to do, I wanted to do this story uh, the end of September when it actually happened, but then we kind of got into the whole Spooktober festivities. Okay. So I kind of got, yeah, I got sidetracked. So now I'm revisiting it, but chess got very interesting in uh, September. I don't know if you heard about this or not, but in a very tense tournament, a U.S. teen chess prodigy, um, only 19 years old, his name's Hans Niemann, was accused of cheating. And he was accused of cheating by using, allegedly, a vibrating butt plug to gain advantage over his opponent. Right. Yeah, because that's what they call cheating these days. Well, there's various ways to cheat in chess. And we're going to get into that in one minute. But first, let's talk about people who cheat on podcasts by not supporting <laughs> them on Patreon. <laughs> um, people, we need you to support us on Patreon. If you like what we do every week here on the show, what we've been doing for practically 17 years, we ask that you sign up to the Patreon. Give us a couple bucks. Support the show. I mean, that's kind of what keeps us going. I mean, it's expensive to... Uh, this is an expensive hobby of ours. You know, there's a lot of fees that are associated with podcasting yeah. um, that add up. And so the only way we pay for it, you know, it's, unless it's out of pocket, is uh, through Patreon. Um, so for only five bucks a month, you get access to two shows a week. That's the main show and then also the second show. Um, second show is a bit more personal. You know, we, there's a lot going on in our lives and we don't have, you know, the, the time to talk about on the main show. So that's why we reserve that for, uh, for second show, not to mention it gets a little spicy at times. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, second show, um, we chat about a little, a few more details about, uh, about my upcoming trip to San Francisco for Thanksgiving. Uh, my sister's uh, big Thanksgiving party. Uh, we find out about uh, Kate's wild night out. I mean, you've been hungover for like 36 hours. I am still recovering. I just don't know why. I've, I must be ill at the minute. Ah, oh, sounds insane. I'm ill. Um, we it's talk gonna... about, uh, I've, I've been going car shopping again. I think I might have found a car. I'm going to get into yeah. that. Um, also thinking about getting a vanity plate. Um, <laughs> so uh, I know some, uh, some members of the Discord had some suggestions for me. I, and in we fact, also... think the wing winners are on Discord. Oh, there's some good ones. There's definitely some oh, good yeah. ones. We've got creative audience members. Um, also, uh, an exciting new uh, media opportunity sort of fell on our, fell into our, our laps this past week. Um, has a lot of potential. We're, uh, we've been offered um, an opportunity through a company. Um, don't want to go too much. I don't want to go into too much detail. But uh, might we're gonna talk there about might it. be yeah we're gonna talk about it on the second show because I'm still trying to figure out how this might impact our show. So anyway, the show might be changing. The show could change. There's yes. a potential um, through this. So anyway, we talk about all that on second show for only five dollars a month. You get access to second show for a few dollars more. Um, you get access to uh, the Sick and Wrong archives. Uh, we got the first 10 years of the show available on SoundCloud playlists and downloadable links through uh, Google Drive. 
And you get access to our bonus uh, mini-sode, uh, Sick and Wrong Overkill. Yeah. So people, sign up today. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Here's a quick Patreon teaser that we're hoping will persuade you to sign up for the Patreon. And then uh, let's chat, chat about how to use a butt plug to cheat a chess. <laughs> I had nasal polyps. Have you ever had one of those polyps? No, but I think what I have is very similar. Well, polyps almost like it's an irritation usually caused by allergies or something in your in your nasal canal. My asthma. Yeah. No, I think it was just like I obviously had some kind of irritation, and it causes like a growth, so it actually blocks off the nasal passage. So when I was like a DJ at the Roaring Twenties, this would have been the early aughts. I had like a gnarly uh, nasal polyp and you have to get surgery to get those removed. Ooh. I had no benefits at the time because I had lost my job. I'd been laid off. So I couldn't obviously couldn't afford surgery. So I just kind of dealt with it, but it sucked because I couldn't breathe through like the right side of my nose and it always dripped. It always just kind of dripped. It always looked like I was wiping my nose like all day, like wipe my nose, wipe my nose. Well, so yeah, that's all, what gives you nasal fishes. Well, to all the strippers, they were like, oh, he's, he's carrying, he's carrying. Like he's can got have cocaine. Some? Oh my God. All day. I would just, they'd come over and be like, can I have a bump? Can I have a bump? And I, like, I don't have any, I, I don't have any cocaine. I, like, I got like, polyps. Bullshit. like a polyps. I did. I was just like, it's a nasal polyp. They're like, bullshit. And I'm like, <laughs> why would I make that up? Why would I tell you I have a nasal polyp? You know, <laughs> chastity. It's like, <laughs> Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. So, K Rambo, there's a scandal rocking the chess world right now. So, I hear. The biggest scandal in chess history. Uh, would it be the biggest? I don't think it's necessarily the biggest. People are saying it's the biggest. So it's, it's probably it's, the most scandalous of all the scandals. I don't know if it's the biggest either. We're going to get into it. You can, you can, you can be the judge of that. Um, but it's definitely like a very scandalous instance of cheating in chess, which I don't know if there's been one at, at this level in a long time. And so I think that's why it's, it's making news. Yeah. But anyway, let me give you some background about what happened here. So a tournament took place in September called the Cinque Field Cup. And it should have been a really simple, you know, cut and dry tourney here for Norwegian uh, Grandmaster Magnus Carlsen. Uh, he's the reigning chess champion, 53-game unbeaten streak, um, and he was facing one of the lowest-rated players in the tournament, a uh, 19-year-old American named Hans Niemann. So if you think about it, if I, w- if I was to put money as to who would win this, uh, this tournament, I would have put the money on Carlson, for sure. But there was an upset but, that no yeah. one expected to happen. <laughs> Wait, there was a but set? Well... <laughs> That came later. But there was definitely an upset that no one expected to happen. And so it was very unusual. And so the next day, you know, Carlson lost to Neiman. And that was unusual. People were shocked. And the next day, he withdrew from the tournament without any kind of explanation. He just posted a statement on Twitter saying, I've withdrawn from the tournament. I've always enjoyed playing in the um, STL chess club. And I hope to be back in the future. I prefer really not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. So Ugh. he implied, you know, that there was something that 
he basically implied a very thinly veiled accusation of cheating against Neiman, but he didn't go so far as to say it at this point. Now, later on, he mm-hmm. did comment on the scandal in a prepared statement. He said, I think Neiman has cheated more, much more recently than he has publicly admitted. His progress on the board has not been normal, and during our game in the Sinclair Cup, I had the impression that he was not tense or fully focused on the game with critical positions. While playing better with black, in a way that I thought only a handful of players can do. This is what they always say, though, isn't it? Like when an underdog rises through the ranks to take down an established player, they always kind of go, no, this can't be right. What's that documentary about the uh, the guy who plays the video game? What is it, oh. like the Pac-Man? No, Pac-Man. Donkey Kong. It's King uh, King Kong. of Kong. King of Kong. It's King a of Kong. Great That's a great documentary. But then, you know, there's that underdog and then the other guy comes in who's got like the, you know, he's on the Wondery and he comes in and takes away the little podcast and just like beats him down. And everyone's like, how did he manage to do that? It's like, well, sometimes, you know, people fucking learn as they go. And this young kid, he's younger than this old guy. Well, that's so the thing. maybe it was just his time. Carlson's 31 rise. and he's been mm-hmm. playing the game for Quite a bit That's longer old than Neiman. Neiman's 19. And, yeah. you know, so, but it is it is weird that a player that's very low ranked could beat like a grandmaster like this in a, in a you know, a public tournament. So basically. But he just wants it more. It's like Rocky. Well, Carlson thinks something's not quite right with Hans Neiman. And so how was Neiman, who played Carlson in person, how could he have cheated? And this is where it gets a little oh, weird. So there's a theory that was first reported in the depths of Reddit, you know, depths uh-huh. of the, 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 the many subreddits about chess, but then echoed by Elon Musk on Twitter that Neiman used vibrating anal beads to receive commands from an accomplice. This is like, can you remember on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? There was the coughing scandal where he would be in the audience coughing the, the right like answer kind of you remember yeah well that was a big mean, deal th- here that is a way to cheat in chess is having an accomplice um but you know what's funny so elon musk posited the same theory in a tweet that he deleted that's what i love about about elon musk he'll say something very controversial and then just delete the tweet as if no one saw it you can't delete the internet you can't it's on the you internet can't forever delete the internet well, you can't when you're at Elon uh, Musk stage. But the other night when I was drunk, I commented on um, No Context Brits on Twitter. It's like, what's your favorite Br- British cuisine? And I wrote my pussy. And it just got a load of <laughs> stupid replies back. I was like, I am embarrassed by what I did. So I just deleted it. Deleted but no one it. will remember me. I'm a no one. You can't delete the internet, all right? <laughs> yeah, I deleted um, it. Everything's permanent. So another theory said that Neiman might have been using a tiny laser that draws an ultraviolet line on the board visible only through uh, special contacts. No, that's, that's false. Uh, Neiman had his own theory. He said that uh, Carlson was just so demoralized because he lost to an idiot like himself, like Neiman, it must be embarrassing for a world champion, and that's why he feels bad. Yeah, I'm with that. And plus, he's getting old. 31 in the chess world is like 31 as a footballer. Baller. You only have like a couple of years left, and then you're out the game, buddy well, boy. No, you can play You can play chess till you're older. But uh, your, your brain sl- starts slowing, though. buddy. Well, Carlson's in his prime, but there's been chess master, grandmasters in their 40s. Well, but anyway. Yeah, but I would say he's slowing down. 
the aftermath of this scandal is something out of like an HBO true crime doc. <laughs> so <laughs> they started looking to Neiman's history and he was fiercely scrutinized online. Uh, they started studying his past games for anomalies and patterns, to try to figure mm-hmm. out how he could have cheated. Um, a man named Greg Keener, who's a International Chess Association arbiter and uh, is a manager at the Marshall Chess Club, he, he actually wrote an analysis for the New York Times that Neiman's ELO rating, which is based on a player's playing record, rose more than 500 points since January 2021. So the ELO rating system is a method for calculating the relative skill levels of players in zero-sum games, such as chess. So Are that, we going to end this show on an ELO song? That is the real question. No, I have a better song, but uh, or no, not better, but more topical. I was about to say because ELO not, not be- the not better than ELO, time. but more topical. You'll see. You'll actually like okay, it. okay. Um, but anyway, so Neiman, uh, Neiman's ELO score is like I don't know, probably like a thousand or something at this point. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, uh, Carlson's was like 2,600, 2,500. I mean, it was really high. So there's quite a variance between the two. So no one would have thought that this kid would have had a chance against him. But the weird thing is, how did Neiman's ELO record you know, go up 500 points since January 2021? People said it was like an increase so sharp that many people don't think it's possible without cheating. See, don't think. But I also think that maybe he started taking his career as a... Because, I mean, it's, it's a like, chess just like a podcast, is a very expensive hobby unless you have like a sponsor behind you. Like I know Bobby Fischer was basically spent his entire life fucking penniless whilst he was also a chess grandmaster. So maybe he started thinking, fuck, if I like, you know, get a good tutor, start taking this a bit more seriously, I could rise up through the ranks and become, I just love the fact this old guy is like, there's no way he could have beaten me. There's no fucking way. It's like me when I get, when I lose. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of reasons this young up and coming uh, book beat you old man well i'm i'm okay, on this I, 19 year old kid side i agree but at the same time i do think it deserves some scrutiny neiman 20 months ago was 800 in the world and now he's in the top 50 like in isn't that just how years. it happens though not really it's unprecedented according to all the uh you know different uh chess players are like it's unprecedented that somebody could grow rise through the ranks that fast and so that's it was a training why, montage. Well, that's why people are so suspicious. Uh, the scandal only deepened when Neiman, in an interview, um, he gave to explain, because people were asking, like, well, mm-hmm. Carlson thinks you cheated, and he's accusing you of cheating. He admitted to cheating in chess when he was younger. So he said, uh, this is what Neiman said. He goes, when I, he goes, when I was younger, I cheated on random games on chess.com. I was confronted, I confessed, and this is the single biggest mistake of my life, and I'm completely ashamed about it. And I'm telling the world now because I don't want to misrepresent myself. I don't want rumors to go around. I've never cheated in an over-the-board game, so that's what he's talking a game that's live. And other than when I was 12 years old, I've never cheated in a tournament with prize money. Yeah, I bet it's super. it's easy to cheat on a chess game on the computer, but in real life, that's different, isn't it? I like this, Hans. Well, Neiman went on to say that he would play naked to prove himself innocent against the accusations of him wearing devices on his body. Sexy chess. He said, if they want me to strip fully naked, I will do it. I don't care because I know I am clean. You may may want to play me in a closed box with zero electronic transmission. I don't care. I'm here to win, and that's my goal. He's hungry for it. 
He wants to win. That's sometimes all you need. Well, after this interview, Chess.com banned Neiman from the site. So, well, yeah, because he, <laughs> he admitted to cheating. <laughs> but the drama is, is continued. You know, uh, Neiman and Carlson met in another game, this time online in a tournament called the Generation Cup. After one move, Carlson uh, threw his toys out of the pram and resigned he from flipped the, the game. He flipped the bot. Turned off his webcam. And that, people say, is a bigger statement than the tweet that he made. So I now, think it is. Well, you know, now all of this scandal is threatening to derail the career of a young chess grandmaster. I mean, this kid yeah. has a very promising career, but now that uh, people are accusing him of cheating, who, who will be able to trust him in a tournament? Basically, the question is no one will sponsor him. So his very expensive hobby, if he can't keep it up, that's it. That's the, the end of him. That's what I mean. I think this old guy has taken umbrage at the fact there's a new up-and-comer and uh, he doesn't like that. So it's easier to start spreading cheating rumors about him. But he's not turning around and saying, I also cheated at online chess. Well, a man by the has. name of uh, Chris Bird, who's the chief arbiter of the Sinquafield Cup, where the scandal you know, first occurred, he said he could find no evidence of cheating. In response to the recent rumors circulating through the chess world, I can confirm that we have no indication that any player had been playing unfairly. And uh, not to mention... Um, there's a, a, an Armenian grandmaster who played in the same tournament. He defended Neiman in a uh, post-game interview. He said, well, I think it quite often happens when young players play well, there's all these accusations towards them. All of my colleagues are pretty much paranoid now. Yeah. And not to mention, an even more in-depth analysis occurred by a professor by the name of Ken Regan, who's described as the world's greatest expert on cheating detection in chess. He said Neiman played well but not too well. Um, he, he concluded through his analysis, and he uses a very complex, I don't even want to get into it, but this like standard deviation analysis. And he's uh -huh. like, he concluded that, that Neiman did not cheat. There was no butt plugs. There was no anal beads involved that day. <laughs> well, um, it doesn't exactly end the controversy. So uh, today, the International Chess Federation, the FIDE, confirmed that uh, the Fair Play Commission will be mounting an investigation into both Neiman and Carlson. And so this official inquiry comes in response not just to the events at the Sinquafield Cup, but the ongoing spectacle of the competitors' embarrassing feud online. So it remains to be seen what they discover. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the, the butt plug allegation as humorous as it is, I definitely don't, I think it's more of just a rumor, but it is a way you could possibly cheat. And we're going to get into that because okay. there are various methods of cheating in chess. And what's funny is I was looking into it. Cheating in chess is as old as the game itself. I mean, oh, people yeah. have been playing chess since like the 16th century, you know? Um, but the rise of online play like chess.com uh, coupled with the invention of chess engines powered by AI, you know, like Deep Blue, that can calculate millions of possible moves in seconds, has definitely led to like the next level of cheating, you know, yeah. in recent years. Uh, Chess.com, uh, who banned Neiman, uh, calls cheating the dirty, not so secretive chess, one that's plagued online chess websites, you know, for years now. The site says it suspends 500 accounts a day for cheating. They take it seriously. 
But well, isn't every part of every game that you've... I kind of think if it's a sign of intelligence, no matter what game you play, if you can figure out a way to cheat at it so that you win, are you not therefore beating the game at its own game? Ooh. That's what I'm saying. I, th- I think. Yeah. Well, for me, I think it's it's it's. I guess it's a goal of mine to find a way to cheat so the game will end faster, <laughs> so I'll be done well, playing it. Well, yeah, it's same for me. But I want to cheat so that I win, so that I always come out on top. I don't even care if I win. It's not like I want to gloat because I win. I think with me, it's just like <laughs> I want to go do something more fun than playing don't you a get that fucking lovely... board game. Maybe it's because I know you're the middle of free children as well, but I definitely got ignored in my childhood a lot, hence why I ended up being in punk bands as a lead singer. But when you win, no one can ignore you because you're the winner. I guess. I mean, I sound like I'm Dennis. You win a fucking board game. Who gives a shit? But you're the winner for that day. It's such a lovely feeling. No one can ignore you or just be like, you're the middle child. We're not going to pay any attention to you today. Comparatively, you've won it nothing. Did you win a million dollars? I wish. That's my yeah, ultimate exactly. goal is to win well, the lottery. The thing. <laughs> these these people like uh, Neiman, who's playing in the Synchro Field Cup, that's like for like $3 million. That, that's a winner. <laughs> you know? it, it is. But anyway, so the fact of the matter is, just to put things in perspective, chess.com might suspend 500 accounts a day, but tens of thousands of people sign up every day. So right. just to put it in perspective here. So let's get into cheating here. So in the 18th and 19th centuries, some creative charlatans devised complicated devices, which they portrayed as chess-playing machines they called automatons. Um, You know, and the the difference between these machines and the modern engines is that the automatons, these these chess-playing machines, were basically just bullshit. I mean, it's just the designs and operators of these devices, you know, would kind of sit inside the machine. Yeah. They communicate the moves. Um, I've seen was, these in museums. Yeah, one's called the Turk, the mechanical, mechanical Turk chess yeah. game. It was just like this big box. I mean, whatever. It's just someone was basically hiding, showing, telling people what to do. Um, I, those are around like in yeah, the 18th and 19th centuries. Obviously, people figured those out as a hoax very quickly. Uh, the next thing was match fixing. And so this actually is very common. And I think still even occurs to this day, even though it's got to be a lot more difficult to, to, to engage in. Um, so colluding with or paying someone for a draw before a tournament game even begins in order to preserve standing or improve the overall odds of winning dates back to like the beginning of chess. Um, one of the most infamous accusations of collusion came at Curacao in 1962 with Grandmaster Bobby Fischer accusing three Soviet players of collusion. My favorite of all the chess players, Bobby Fischer. Bobby Fischer, an American chess grandmaster and the 11th world chess champion. Uh, you know, he's a chess prodigy. He won his first, um, his first U.S. championship at the age of 14. Yeah, he was like an idiot savant with chess. I mean, Definitely he was 100% had... on the spectrum, had brain yeah. damage, but he was just into it. He knew yeah, what he was doing. He definitely had Asperger's, this guy. He, he also flipped boards. So oh, yeah. I'm, no, I feel temper. like I'm on the same level of mentality as Bobby Fischer. I think you have a lot more in common with Bobby Fischer than you, than you might know. Um, I actually, well, our views on 9-11 are exactly the same. Well, your views on a lot of things. 
Uh, Bobby Fischer trying to reach the world championship 10 years before he actually did. He finished in fourth place in, uh, at, in 1962 at Curacao. Um, afterwards, he accused the top three Soviet players. And keep in mind, the Soviets dominated chess for oh, yeah. centuries at this point. No American has ever beaten Soviets at, at this point. Um, so he accused the top three Soviet players, Grandmasters Tigran Petrosian, Efim Geller, and Paul Karras. Um, he said that they prearranged to draw all 12 of their games against each other in order to conserve their energy for the end of the tournament when they were going to play Bobby Fischer. Yeah. And so he conspired, he claims that they conspired to prevent any non-Soviet from winning the tournament. It's like women's gymnastics. I totally agree. Well, he ended up placing fourth, and those three placed ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, in a 2002 interview, it was interesting, uh, a man, the coach of the Soviet team, uh, Yuri Averbach, confirmed the existence of the drawing pact. He's like, oh, yeah, we definitely colluded to, to make sure an American would not win that tournament. Isn't that funny? Because he's like a 14-year-old boy, and they're just so terrified of him beating them because well, he, he would have. He wasn't 14 at this point. I think he was probably oh, in his was 20s. It was 62. Yeah, he was probably in his 20s. Maybe maybe late teens. But, you know, but the thing is, though, uh, chess was like a battleground for the Cold War. I mean, the Cold War is in full effect yeah. at this point. Uh, in the 1960s, in 1960s and 70s, chess was highly popular and seen as a battleground between the Soviet Union and America. That's why I'm not surprised, you know, that these Soviets would collude like this to make sure an American wouldn't win. And so for the Soviet Union to be like, you know, the supreme chess master was a demonstration, as its rulers saw it, of the superiority of the socialist system over the Western capitalists. This is like Rocky Four with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> it it <laughs> definitely is. So, well, 1972 is probably the most famous chess matchup of all time when Bobby Fischer beat uh, chess champion Boris Spassky. And that was the first time um, that the first time an American won ended 24 years of Soviet domination of a world championship. And then Bobby was still penniless and crazy. Well, at you this know, point. was he, is this when he was driving buses? Well, no, this would have been right after that because Bobby was at like the height of his fame at this point. But then after the 1972 World Championship where he beat Spassky, he didn't play another competitive game in public for nearly 20 years. Because he was off being Looney Tunes. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely definitely Looney at this point. Um, But this is why I think you have a lot more in common with Bobby Fischer than you thought you did. Bobby Fischer was a rabid anti-Semite. And what's interesting is, although his mother was Jewish, so he's Jewish, well, technically. Well, Fisher, yeah, he is, yeah, Fisher is well, a Jewish name. He, he's, I think, the epitome of self-loathing Jew. Fisher rejected any attempts to label him as Jewish. In a 1962 interview with Harper's, they asked him if he was Jewish, and he replied that he was part Jewish through his mother, but there's nothing he can do about that. Bobby. Yeah. Uh, Fisher made numerous anti-Semitic statements and professed a general hatred for Jews from at least the early 1960s. He idolized Hitler. He read everything about him that he could lay his hands on. He also championed a brand of anti-Semitism that could only be thought of by a mind completely cut off from reality, a la uh, Kanye West. I think, <laughs> I think the two of them are very, uh, very uh, similar uh, worldviews. Um, well, do you think Kanye will get to... Dep- parted and have to go live in Iceland, just like what happened to Bobby Fischer. Possibly. Well, Bobby Fischer violated U.S. law when he played in Yugoslavia. 
That was actually the yes. rematch he had with Spassky. And George H.W. Bush was like, you're not allowed to do that. And he was like, fuck you. And he went and did yeah. it anyway, so he wasn't allowed back. He was a, yeah, a very much a rebel. We'll say that about Bobby Fischer. Well, he's a rebel who openly denied the Holocaust, and he called the United States a farce controlled by dirty, hook-nosed, circumcised Jew <laughs> bastards. <laughs> wow. I've never called you that, only in private. You've thought it, though. I know you have. Um, <laughs> That's what I was looking, on our wedding day, I looked, <laughs> my life can't get much lower now. In 1999, he gave a radio call-in interview uh, to a station in Budapest, Hungary, in which he described himself as the victim of an international Jewish conspiracy. Now, is this sounding like Kanye? I would say yes, so. Yes, completely. Um, in another interview, he said that it became clear to him in 1977, after reading The Secret World Government, uh, that Jewish oh, no. agencies were targeting him. Oh no, Bobby, yeah. why? Although I do agree with what he said about 9-11, this is a bit far. Um, he was also upset that the UBS, the banking system, had uh, liquidated his assets at one point and closed his accounts without his permission. And when he asked who was responsible for this, he goes, there's no question that the Jew-controlled United States is, beyond that, is behind this. That's obvious to everybody. Bobby Fischer sounds like he could run for Republican Senate at this point and probably be elected. Oh, it's the Jewish could... lasers. Oh, no, I think, yeah, he could probably, he could definitely run in Florida, that's for sure. Uh, Fischer's library contained anti-Semitic and racist literature such as Mein Kampf, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, The White Man's Bible, and Nature's Eternal Religion. Uh, by Ben Klassen, who was the founder of the World Church of the Creator. You know, that's Bobby Fischer started following the World Church, became a member in wow. the 80s. I only own one of those books, just one. <laughs> you like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, despite his views, his anti-Semitic views, he actually remained on good terms with a lot of the Jewish players, you know? So, mm-hmm. I don't know, even Ruben Fine, who is a psychologist and a Jewish chess player, who who... Uh, met Fisher many times, said that some of Bobby's behaviors are so strange, unpredictable, odd, and bizarre that he even is the most ardent apologist have a hard time explaining what makes him tick and described him as a troubled human being with obvious personal problems. He was like a really nasty version of Dustin Hoffman's Rain Man. Just like a nasty yeah. version, but very likable though. There's a great documentary about Bobby Fisher. It's a really long one. I think it's like and it was from years ago on HBO. It was like what nearly was three hours long. Wasn't there a movie about Bobby Fischer? I forget who's I in that. I think there might have been as well. Yeah, there was. A, I just remember the documentary. And he was in an old article in Bizarre Magazine. That's how I found out about Bobby Fischer. Yeah, rabid anti-Semite. No wonder you like him. Um, <laughs> moving on. Another way to uh, cheat in chess is manipulating the pieces. So short of faking games, the most notable form of cheating prior this is all prior to the ai you know chess engine uh-huh. involved the touch move rule which requires players to move a piece as soon as they touch it so if you touch a piece you have to move that piece otherwise you're you're cheating so a player can also not let go of a piece on a new square and then change its destination so yeah, now in most cases if a player touches a piece that has zero good moves they admit defeat because you can't you know you can't retract your move that's when you, you either pick different. up the piece and throw it at the other player or you just flip the board. You just flip it and walk off. Just walk off. Just shut the webcam yep. off. Resign from the game. This, uh, this is totally my attitude. 
Grandmaster Milan Mataluvich uh, committed the first widely known public sample of this in 1967. So he was having a, a Kate Rambo meltdown against a Hungarian general master or grandmaster named uh, Istvan Bilek. Uh, Mataluvich played a move that would have lost out of hand, and then he took the losing move back and replaced it by a better move. And he actually got away with a draw because of this. His opponent, Bilek, protested three times to the arbiter um, who claimed they didn't see or, you know, see the incident and ordered him to continue play. Oof. I'd be like, so, it's rigged then, you fucking cunts, and I would have flipped the board. A total shite arbiter, you know? But yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's almost like sleight of hand, like what magicians do, mm-hmm. you know? 35 years later, happened again, 2003, Grandmaster Zurab, I don't, I'm not even going to be able to say this name, Ozma Parashvi. Uh, Ozma Parashvi. Yeah, this guy's great. He became known for many injudicious behaviors. Uh, he touched one piece, and then he moved another. But unlike Mataluvich's opponent, who protested, no, you know, protested but no one even cared, um, Ozma Parashvi's opponent froze, and allowed the interaction to proceed unchallenged, probably because he was very intimidated by Zurab. Apparently, Zurab, uh, he had like gotten to a, he's been known for being in, uh, being very aggressive. He got into several fights at tournaments where he claimed he was, people were cheating. He actually got thrown out by security at a tournament, headbutted three people. This is me. Out. Of a couple of, yeah, no, this guy, yeah, this guy's hardcore. He'd also been criticized in 2004 over arrangements at the 2004 Women's World Chess Championships uh, when uh, two players from uh, Georgia, um, Georgia, you know, in the, the country, uh, yeah, the country here, accused him of behaving in a hostile, intimidating manner, using inappropriate and vulgar language, and bringing tears to their mothers. What? This is like you and Jojo doing commentary at the female chess. You'll be like, look at the chebs on that one. Check out the schliz on that. He was at a chess world cup in 2017, which he was the organizer. He berated a player named Anton Kovalaya for wearing shorts and he kept calling him a gypsy. This guy would be a great cricket player because, you know, this is a, a big thing in cricket. Um, especially when, because like my cousins are, are, used to be a wicketkeeper for England. And the entire point of it is when you're there, you're saying the worst of what you can say to the, to the batter. Yeah. So yeah, to, it's like they do it in baseball too, because you're wanting them to just be off their game and to like miss, miss hitting the ball. This they guy would be fucking too. fantastic at it. He's bringing mothers to tears. <laughs> I love him. Well, I, I think it's kind great. of like, you know, it's kind of like a mind fuck. Like you're saying, yeah. you're trying to throw them off, you know, break their concentration. Um, yeah, this guy was great. I don't know what happened. I know he was banned for a while, but I think he's back. I think he's like a current player. But, you know, some of these cases aren't as obvious. Uh, there was a 1994 incident with uh, Grandmaster Gary Kasparov, who ended up uh, uh, beating Deep Blue, a chess engine. Like, this guy was a, an amazing chess player. Um, he briefly released a piece against another Grandmaster named Judah Polgar before moving the same piece to a different square. It happened so quickly about a quarter of a second, that it's not clear even Kasparov knew that what he did. What he done. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it happened so fast. Like, that. I think they could watch it during replays. You know, whereas, like, Mataluvich and Zuban here not only let go of their pieces, they moved completely different ones. Different. So, like, it was but he's still moving the glaring. same piece. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, not every accusation of cheating ends up being correct. 
And some have bordered and just even bizarre. Like this is where we're kind of getting into the butt plug territory. So there are two famous cases that happened 1978, 2006. So the first one was, this is a bizarre case of cheating. 1978 world championship between um, Grandmaster Anatoly Karpov and Grandmaster Viktor Korchnoi that involved a hypnotist and yogurt. I think I vaguely know about this one. I, you know, I had actually heard about this one as well, but I never actually you know, read too much into it. So the challenger here, Viktor Korchnoi, um, they accused champion Anatoly Karpov's team of cheating by sending their player, um, Karpov, in the middle of the game, a blueberry yogurt. So his camp sent him a blueberry yogurt. And so Korchnoi, his team argued that this was a color-coding scheme to transmit information. So they sent him purple, you know, blueberry-looking yogurt. Yes. Because there was a secret code that was within the yogurt they sent. Because he was he was having white, you know, you know, white normal looking yogurt beforehand. This is this is amazing though, because again, if they figured out this system ahead of time and be like, oh, if we send you a strawberry uh, yogurt, it means, <laughs> it means this. this. If we send you an apricot one, it means this. Again, this to me means that you're more intelligent than the game because you figured out a system. Blueberry yogurt is delicious, by the way, as an well, aside. This match was notable for extreme hostility on both sides here. Karpov's team included a hypnotist that was seated in the front rows that was staring at Korchnoi. And Korchnoi's team claimed that the hypnotist was trying to get inside his mind and throw him off his (laughs) game. So they gave him mirrored sunglasses to protect himself. So the whole time that they were playing, Korchnoi was wearing mirrored aviator shades. To stop them looking inside To block the hypnotist's mind reading. Yeah. Um, a much more serious accusation came in, two, in the 2006 World Championship between uh, Grandmaster Vladimir Kromnik and Veselin Topolov. So Topolov fell behind 3-1 to one in a match. And his camp accused Kramnik of cheating with numerous, strange, and very suspicious trips to the bathroom. So apparently, like, throughout the match, um, Kramnik just kept getting up and having to go to the bathroom. But the accusations were unfounded. They, they couldn't find any evidence of cheating. And Kramnik eventually won the match. Um, but they called this whole accusation here Toilet Gate. And so it was, it was definitely a scandal. And then there was a, um, I mean, they had, just like uh, with Neiman and uh, Carlson, they had several uh, professors, the same professor, Kenneth Regan, who did a statistical analysis on the game. He's the world's leading expert on chess. He found no evidence that Kramnik had cheated, even though he had gone back and forth to the bathroom several times. But it's at his own risk going back to the bathroom, though, because they don't stop the match. He's on the clock still. So, like, if your time goes over, this happened with Bobby Fischer. If you let your time elapse over, and you're going to lose the game through the time. Well, they claim that he must have been getting some kind of messages in the bathroom. Why do you keep going to the bathroom? They said that Kram, or Kramnik's team said that he drank a lot of water and he was nervous. He urinates frequently. Exactly. You yeah. Know? If it's a known thing about him, like he has a bladder the size of a walnut, no deal be surprised. So when the chess engines came about, so this would have been like probably in like late 80s, mid 80s, cheating became, you know, more direct. So instead of fixing tournament results with draws, players now try to win games with, you know, using computer engines, basically. Uh, one of the earliest known uses of uh, 
using technology to cheat was in 1993 at the World Open. This guy is amazing. He was a dreadlocked, headphone-wearing, unrated newcomer. Much like Hans Niemann, although Hans Niemann was actually ranked. This guy, no one had even heard of him. And he had a fake name named Jean von Neumann, which was the name of a famous AI research pioneer. Okay. So he scored a four and a half out of nine in the open section, including a draw with a grandmaster and a win over a 2350 ELO player. So if you think about it, this guy's unrated. No one's heard about him. No one even heard of him before. He shows up, he draws a grandmaster, and then won, a, won over a 2350 player. That's is, crazy. Is there any confirmations about what he's listening to on his headphones? They don't mention that. But they did say that he spent most of the match just staring at the ceiling. Um, in another game, on a, yeah, he demonstrated zero chess skills outside of physically being able to move the pieces. But he still you know, scored a draw with the grandmaster. But this von Neumann seemed to have a suspicious bulge in one of his pockets. And not a bulge because he was happy to see you, Kate Rambo. <laughs> um, but the bulge appeared to make a soft humming or buzzing sound at certain intervals in the game. And so when quizzed by the tournament director, um, von Neumann was unable to demonstrate even a rudimentary knowledge of chess concepts. And so they disqualified him because it was obvious that he was cheating. Are you sure this wasn't you and you just did it for a giggle? You, you know, had I, dreads I back did then. have dreads in 1993. And what, you're probably listening to Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 that had just come out? Rage Against the Machine. Bit of rage and you just sat rage. there. Like you just did it as a joke with Kessler, <laughs> but it's actually gone too far now. I, I don't know what I would have used for the, uh, the vibrating device though. Is it somebody giving him Morse code? It's like Kessler's in the audience giving Morse code. He had an accomplice for sure. Yeah. Um, The most blatant example of computer cheating was committed by a grandmaster named Igor Rossis in 2019. He was actually in the bathroom using an engine, like a phone engine. So he, yeah, yeah, I mean, they photographed him using his phone to cheat. And so he was banned for six years, lost his title over it. Um, and, you know, there's been several other grandmasters who have cheated in the bathroom using their phones. I'm amazed that they don't just don't take everyone's phones or give you a yonder bag or something, you know? Yeah, you'd think they would. Or you'd think they would pat down and search all these people before they play the game as part of a... It's kind of like drugs testing in a way. You think yeah. they would just give them a generic pat down. Well, this guy, uh, Grandmaster... These names are tough to pronounce here. Gaios Nigaldzi... Um, did the same thing in 2015. And so a grandmaster named Tigran Petrosian, who suspected Nagaldzi um, was cheating with his phone, tipped off the arbiter who found the phone. And when they, when they turned on the phone, there was like the game position that he was doing was on the screen. But it's Whoopsie. ironic. Well, it's ironic because the guy who, uh, who reported him, who stitched him out, he himself was caught cheating in 2020, which was like, People say that was the biggest chess cheating scandal since Fisher's 1962 complaint. So this was October 1st, 2020. Um, Petrosian was playing Wesley So, who was the eighth highest rated grandmaster in the world at the time. And So accused Petrosian of cheating in the semifinal and final games um, using his phone. Petrosian was so upset that he was being accused of cheating that he responded with a long, insulting message 
this is this is amazing. He said, "You are the biggest loser I've ever seen in my life. You were doing pee pee in your pampers when I was oh. beating players much more stronger than you." <laughs> but he was cheating all along doing pee pee. Yeah, he was cheated, or he was cheating. He was disqualified for the tournament and the ban. I just would have. Yeah, I just would have flipped the board and said, well, fuck all you cunts, and walked out, and then I would never go back to Christmas dinner. Well, it doesn't even matter. He, he was banned for life anyway after this, so it doesn't matter how much pee-pee was in his panties. But yeah. this is this is part of it, though. Like, So there's the phone engines. You can cheat because, you know, you could use your phone and look up moves. But just picking up the phone and doing it that way is a very easy way to get caught. The other way to do it is to have an accomplice. Someone in the yep. crowd who's sending messages to you, and this, you know, this is quite happened. You know, this is this has happened several times in recent years. Um, in Siberia, during the 2010 Chess Olymp- Olympiad, uh, there's an up-and-coming French grandmaster named Sebastian Feller um, who was uh, playing. There, there's a scandal that involved the French grandmaster, a guy named Cyril Marzolo. And a French captain named Arnold Hachard. So there are three guys, all from France, all grandmasters. And they're all suspended by the French National Chess Federation for doing this. And so what they did is, I mean, they must have planned this out well in advance. Kind of complicated. So one of the guys, Marzola, watched Feller's match from a live stream online. He then entered the moves into an open source chess software that was developed by uh, Russian programmers. And then he relayed the move via text to Hashard, who was in the audience, who would then give the move to, but to Feller by standing next to certain tables in the hall. These moves had been predefined. So Feller could translate Hashard's positions in the hall into chess moves. So he, they had like a whole code in order to yeah. do this. Yeah, I mean, it's very complicated. And so it would have gone undiscovered. No one even knew that they were all communicating, you know, in code until I guess uh, they found a text message that was on um, that was sent to Marzolo by Hasher that read, hurry up and send me these moves. Wow. And so then they ended up finding hundreds of coded text messages between them. And so that's the way, a very common way to cheat. You're using technology, but you're also using an accomplice, which is makes it a little bit more difficult to get caught. And so I'm thinking the dreadlock guy was probably had an accomplice that was buzzing him, sending him some kind of Morse code. And that's what they say was happening with the anal beads with Neiman getting back to Hans Neiman. So looking into it, I was like, well, how would you do this? You know, with anal beads. So I don't think he had full on anal beads. I don't think he had a full butt plug. He, if allegedly, this is a legend, but let's just say hypothetically he was cheating with some kind of anal vibrating device. It probably would have been like a bullet type vibrator. I don't think he would have shoved the full on, you know, six inch well, butt plug up his ass. You can get those love eggs and you give somebody else the remote and they control your love eggs. Well, so maybe he had a little love egg inside of him. You can do it over Bluetooth on your phone now. Like you don't even you need a remote. So I think you would need to go back to the days before the phone, though, because they're using the phone to discover you more and more. So if I was wanting to cheat at chess, I'd be like, we need to have like something where there's no Bluetooth, no example of a phone being used, because they'll find it. Well, I think you could have someone in the audience within Bluetooth range. You wouldn't even, no one would check, you know, a, a, one of like, you know, 500 people in the audience. No one's going to know that. 
And so yeah, but using, what if you lost Bluetooth signal? Well, then you're you're fucked. But the you're method for cheating in chess via vibrations, it could be a butt plug, a watch, or anything where a Bluetooth device that vibrates can be hidden. It's pretty simple if you think about it. It still requires like a level of sophistication and pre-planning to pull it off without getting caught, but it's not you know, very complex. So if you look at it, and this is, I'm just going to kind of gloss over this, but in chess, you have six different types of pieces and the board is an eight by six grid with alphanumeric positions, you know, coordinates. So the horizontal lines are called ranks, one through eight, and the verticals are called files, A, A mm-hmm. through H. And so chess moves are notated by the piece and then the rank and the file coordinates of the square. So for example, you know, if you had a queen, like Q7, Q, yeah, Q exclamation points, QF7, QF7. So QF7 means you moved your queen to the F7 square. Yes. A little more to that. You know, obviously to, to come up with a whole cheating mechanism here, but that's all you really need to do. So let's say you're going to take that queen and you, you assign the number five to the queen and the best move was QF7, queen to square seven. So you'd make it vibrate five times to signify that it's the queen. Pause. Then make it vibrate six times for F, for the F position. Pause. Then make it vibrate seven times so it would go to seven. So you're at the F7. That's a long time feeling vibrations in your ass. Kind of. But I mean, if they're like really quick vibrations, so it's like what? Five buzzes, six buzzes, seven buzzes would QF7. You know, I feel that the world of biohacking and chess cheating need to join hands at this point. Because wouldn't that make sense if you could have a, like a little sensor that's sewn into your skin, which no one can detect. And then you have your accomplice... Um, who maybe is at home signed into a network watching a live stream and he can then make it buzz inside of your arm. That's a lot more comfortable than inside your ass. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to. But the thing is, though, is uh, I've read that Hans Neiman was scanned like through an X-ray machine. Well, then wouldn't they see the Lovec? If you've got a Lovec inside your ass, that's the thing. He claims that he was not using any kind of device you know, cheating device or vibrating device. I don't think he was. Well, so recently he was like, I'll play naked, you know, I'll play in like a zero transmission box or you yeah. can you can scan me. And so, yeah, he was scanned through like an x-ray and at his most recent tournament and he didn't have any kind of device. But that's the thing. Did you had tournament like, But if you had some kind of biohacking device underneath your, like a subdermal implant, they probably yeah, would they detect it. But did he win his most recent tournament or did he place very high? I, I didn't read that. I just read that he was uh, scanned. <laughs> so I don't right. Know. So if he's, but if he's placing very high and still like doing a good job, then obviously all that's happened is he started to take chess very seriously as opposed to before when well, maybe he was like, you know, he could have been going to law school and was very stressed. Who knows? I was reading that uh, his coach and mentor, he has a new coach that he got in the past couple of years, who's coached many grandmasters, but also has been caught cheating several times. His name's like <laughs> Drew Bovik or something, some Russian guy. And They're so all at it. Everybody cheats. That's the thing. You know, cheating will never, cheating will never cease to happen. Everybody I cheated cheats. In my, it's, in, I cheated in a GCSE day. I cheated, I cheated to pass a GCSE in my exam. I cheated. I've, I've cheated on many exams. I, one of my things I used to do is I used to be really good at making cheat sheets. And so I would make a cheat sheet 
smaller and smaller and smaller to conceal it. But by the time I had written it out to be so small, I already kind of knew it. So I didn't even need well, to I, use a cheat sheet. In my German written language GCSE, we were allowed to take in our German dictionaries. So all I did was I got tiny little post-it notes, you know, the tiny post-it notes, and I cut them in half. And I put them on certain pages, like I was going to look up, but I'd really written down my transcript that was going to be answers for questions. And then I would write the page number that I would then have to turn to. So if a teacher had come along and picked up my dictionary, I would have been cooked. But I thought, fuck it. And I got an A because <laughs> I cheated. I fuck it. I passed. <laughs> when I was a senior, junior or senior in high school. No, I think I was a junior. Yeah, because... Uh, Kenji, a friend uh, who was a senior at the time, we were both in chemistry class. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a buddy of ours that was like the assistant to the chemistry teacher. And so right. they used the same exams every year. Like they even oh, write wow. new exams. It was like the teacher's manual. It's just straight out of the Simpsons. It's basically the teacher's manual and they use the same exams. So Jamie, our buddy, stole the exams and gave it to us like from the year before. And so it's like Animal House or something. Yeah. So Kenji and I, like the day before the exams, we'd get together and just sit there and figure out the answers. Cause I mean, these were, exa- they weren't like, you know, A plus every exam. So we'd have to like kind of figure out some answers. But it was funny because it was like every quiz we would fail because we didn't know anything about chemistry, but the tests were always A's or A minuses. And they never suspected anything as B. Yeah. They never suspected it. I don't know. Yeah, well, I I got away with mine. It's not like they can. GCSEs are just a pile of piss, anyways. Like, well, that's but that's what I'm saying. Over here. Cheating will always happen. It's in our nature. We will cheat till we get caught, because that's yes, that's what humans do. It's so deeply embedded within who within what we are, you know. So it's like, and as technology improves, as computers get better at chess, you know, and electronic devices get smaller. It's going to be easier to cheat and harder to detect. You know, there might be biohacking. Good. Who knows? It might, you might be able to biohack in an area where you won't even be able to detect through some kind of scan, you know, some type of implant. So next year when I win the chess uh, Open Master uh, tournament and I'm, I don't flip a single board, you all know why. Biohack. Possibly. Or a vibrating egg. Oh, I'm used to them. That would, I could win doing that. <laughs> so Chess.com CEO and uh, co-founder Eric Alibes indicated that their investigation in Neiman's cheating is ongoing. And he asked for patience as they build a complete timeline with all the relevant facts and reasons for their decisions. And he adds that he feels Chess will be better off for having gone through this saga. So it'll be like the next level. But you know what? Cheating at Chess has gone back for centuries it's and fighting stop. is only going to be harder. It's not a new fight. It's going to be a fight that's going to be ongoing. And Exciting. personally, I hope it involves more anal devices. Well, of course you would. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> People, this is episode 870 here, Sick and Wrong. Uh, we got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. 
Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, AdamandEve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got some phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032 is the Sick and Wrong hotline number. You can also email us, sickandwrongpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Some guy, I posted um, a meme that I had made. I think the, the Walter White meme of him using a mm-hmm. banana phone. I posted that saying like trying to get people to call in because we're running really short on uh, calls. Call us. Yeah, so we were, I'm trying to build up a backlog so we have calls to, uh, you know, we could keep playing on the show or, or I guess I'll have to cut the segment. But anyway, some guy kept commenting. He was wasted. Kept commenting that uh, and he was like, I got all these stories about ladyboys and drugs and police and gangsters in Thailand and I want to tell you all about it. But I can't call because I'm in Thailand. So I was like, well, yeah, you could just email us an MP3. And he yeah, could just not it into your figure phone. out how to record an MP3 with his phone. I was trying to explain it to him over Gmail with emails. And finally, I just gave up. I'm like, you know what, dude? Don't call. This is definitely too <laughs> difficult for you. <laughs> you are too drunk. When you get to that point when you're too drunk and the technology is escaping you, just, just go to bed. We've yeah, all been just, there. Just you'll be embarrassed about what you were doing on social media the next day. Just go to bed. Well, that's what I said to him. Eventually, I was just like, you know what? You were too drunk to figure this out. Wake up and try to go to bed. Wake up the next morning, then do it. Because I think it'll be, I, th- I think it'll be a little easier. The thought process behind it will make a little more sense. But I still don't know if he was able to do it because we didn't get a call. But that being said, people, we need your calls. 323-522-4032. You know who um, heeded my call for more calls? Marshall Antilly. Twisted Firestarter. Oh, nice. I love him. He said, sorry to hear your backlog is running low. So here's my contribution. He said, by the way, I enjoyed all the animal talk on uh, last week's show. Caliban sounds like a fucking nightmare. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, that's an understatement. He is a nightmare. He Um, is. He included a picture of his cat, Salem. Who, uh, oh, can you forward it to me? I, like anyone, please, if you email the show and you have pets, I want to see them. Send me pictures of your pets. He said, I imagine Kate might enjoy it. So I'll send you the, I'll send you the pic. He said, yeah. Salem's nearly 12 and just as evil as he looks. He's always getting into scraps with the neighborhood cats. And judging by how sweet all of them are, I think he's the asshole. Sometimes he'll give me a left hook as I walk past him for no reason at all. I don't care, though. I still love him, and sometimes when I'm drunk, I wind him up with his catnip cushion till he scratches the fuck out of my arm. Keep it brutal. Twisted fire starter. I love cats like that. Just this absolute catitude when you walk past and they just give you a bat for no reason. It's like, it's a cat's world. We're just in it. Yeah, they just don't even care. (laughs) It's so funny. You know, Caliban isn't really like that. He's just kind of an annoying cat that just wants attention. It's very rare for him to attack you. Oh, Caliban's a sweetheart. Like, Chi-Chi will bat you, and he'll scratch the shit Chi-Chi out of you will when you like, fight with him. Chi-Chi will tear your flesh to ribbons. Yeah. Like, imagine trying to get... A, I've tried once to put a bow tie on that on Chi-Chi, and I will never forget that day, because I just came away, like, bleeding. And sometimes I, he does just scratch you. I mean, I can pick you know. Caliban up and just give him a raspberry on his stomach. He does not care. Yeah, that's not normal cat behavior. No, no. cat should want a raspberry balloon on this. <laughs> Chi-Chi would rip your face to pieces. You would anyway, not survive that. Here's Twisted Firestarter. This is the Twisted Firestarter speaking. Now, for a little while, I've been wanting to read Mein Kampf. And I, 
I it's like Bobby Fischer. You should have borrowed it from him. You know what? I will say this to anyone. Having read Mein Kampf, it is probably one of the most boring books. And I don't just mean that in it's like, it's just boring all the way throughout it. It's very historical. So you have to read it and then you have to go and read up another thing about what he's talking about to get to his point. But just like he was an artist, he's very mediocre writer. It's very boring. Not surprised. It's dry. It to be, you know, particularly eat. I can. I know I wouldn't be able to just go down Waterstones and pick up a copy of Mein Kampf, but I, I was surprised at just how difficult it is to get hold of. So I have. A... No, I'm actually kind of surprised about that. You can't buy Mein Kampf. You can buy Mein Kampf. I got my copy off eBay years ago. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I guess the the sensitivity, hypersensitivity climate's changed a bit since a few years ago maybe. when you bought it, but. I didn't think it was that difficult. I'm sure you could find it online. Can't you find like a digital version? Yeah, or I would just probably type in like um, Adolf Hitler into like books on eBay and eventually it'll just scroll, roll up. Somebody will be selling a copy. I mean, it might be tough to find like a, you know, original copy. But I'm God, sure. Do you know how much money that would cost? An yeah. OG copy of Mein Kampf. I would have that for Celsius. But I'm a little surprised that it's that difficult to find. Me, huh. eBay. And I find that there's uh, two 1991 editions on there in America. And I, I bought one of them for 48 quid, which is wow. pretty fucking pricey for a book. Um, you know, does eBay, I thought they forbade the selling of Nazi memorabilia. And yeah, you can't, buy, Nazi associated. you can't buy Nazi stuff, but it's a historical document. A historical text. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. Like, I don't think you could buy a a copy of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion on uh, No, but that's eBay. a bit different, isn't it? Like, because not in Mein Kampf is he saying, now we're going to go and slaughter all the Jews. It's his reaction to, like, the treatment of Versailles and everything that's going on. It's about how the war is leading to what will become the Second World War. But doesn't he express some of his views on the Semitic people? Yeah, but at no point does he say, and there will be a Holocaust and they shall all no, die. I don't think he was giving out, you know, his plans for like, you know, his, his rail system and, uh, and the extermination yeah. camps. But I do think he did convey some of his opinions on the uh, Jewish people. It's a, it's a lot more focused on the Volkish movement. Like, yeah. that's what you could say, yeah. Get the notification come through saying it's been shipped. Happy days. Then a couple of days later, I get another notification saying, oh, there was a problem in transit and you've been fully refunded. So I'm thinking, what the fuck? So I send a message to the bloke who sold it saying, you know, what's going on? He sends me a screenshot of a message he got saying, oh, this item has been deemed restricted and has been confiscated by the authorities. Oh. What the fuck, America? Who the fuck are you? To tell me what the fuck I can and can't read. I am 31 years old. Are you, are you seriously expecting that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it and go, oh my God, he, he was right. It was the fucking Jews all along. <laughs> of course not. No one read Mein Kampf starting off not a Nazi and then became a Nazi by the end. If you're going to be a Nazi. Well, I think some of them did. I think there might have been a couple that were like, oh, I kind of agree with where he's going. Well, it did become enforced reading in school. And then it would also be illegal for you not to own a copy of yeah. Mein Kampf. It was very successful. It's kind of like the Mormons and their Bibles. Like yeah. that, you have to own a copy. I'm a little shocked. Like, what authorities? Like the, the post office? 
Like who would have seized that Customs. book? Customs. Customs would have went it. through the package and, and said this was like a banned piece of literature. Like I that's... didn't actually know that Mein Kampf is banned. I, neither did I. I actually kind of feel like there's like freedom of speech here. I feel uh, it's a really boring book. And if you're going to ban it, you should just ban it for being boring as fuck. You know, I thought at first he was going to say eBay restricted it, which I can understand because eBay is a private yeah. company and they could do that. But then maybe you could just buy it from the seller. But the fact that, you know, customs is stopping, you know, the shipping of this book, that that's concerning. You know, Twisted Firestar, when I'm moving and I have to move all my, I have a lot of books. Um, I'm pretty sure Mein Kampf is under my bed with like books I'll never read again. If I find it, I'll send you it. You can have my copy. Problem is the pages are all stuck together. Anyway. <laughs> Especially on the Jew bits. You're probably going to be a Nazi anyway, whether or not you read the fucking book. <laughs> and I was fucking angry. Uh, so I thought, right, fuck you, America. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to find a neo-Nazi right, a website <laughs> and I'm going to buy it from the source and now they can have my money. So thanks to your bullshit morality, <laughs> your, your faux fucking virtue, I'm going to give my money to the Nazis. <laughs> so... I don't know any Nazi websites. I don't know how you're supposed to find them. I literally just went on Google and just typed in neo-Nazi websites. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely on some sort of list somewhere now. Couldn't find anything. Um, ended up typing... Uh, I, I did actually manage to get a copy of Mein Kampf, though. I found this website called Blackwells, which is some kind of subsidiary of, I don't know, Penguin or something like that. Um, managed to get a copy on there, 2006 edition. I think it was about £5.40 with free postage. So, nice. you fucking idiots, America, you just cost yourself 48 quid, <laughs> and I still got the book for 43 quid cheaper than it would have been. <laughs> fuck you. you. You, yeah, just go fuck yourselves. Cheers. <laughs> well, that is a struggle to get a book called My Struggle. I know. That's, <laughs> hey, I love this screed. <laughs> screed about America's books. I got to say, he has a point. I mean, you know, we probably now he's like dug deeper into neo-Nazism than he would have had, you know, beforehand. That's true. And he could have started reading articles and been like, yeah, you know what? These guys are onto something. I'm thinking it's like probably only a few days before he starts looking for screwdriver records. Uh, oh, God, please don't. <laughs> Twisted Firestarter, I want to know like your reaction to the book. And if you actually finished it, because I remember it was a very much it was my struggle to finish that book. <laughs> It's a slippery slope there to a fire starter. I wonder Indeed. if he's wearing like, you know, white t-shirts and uh, jeans shaved rolled his up head. with like shaved his head. He's got he's like got, um, blood red docks. No, blood red nope. blood Ox red blood. docks. Yeah, oxblood Ox blood, uh, docks. Ox blood They're docks. The, the skinhead ones over here. He's got some uh, yeah, you know, braces. Not braces for your teeth. Braces that you'd wear. The suspenders. Yeah, I could see him yeah. uh, rocking that now. It's a slippery slope once you get into it. But yeah, we'd like Good to hear lot. what 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 are your thoughts? Like, what what was the uh, the takeaways from Mein Kampf? Do you still Have you love even the Jews? It? <laughs> <laughs> Do you see, are you still going to listen to a Jew on this podcast? <laughs> now, I've read. I don't think I've ever. I don't own a copy of Mein Kampf, but I have read excerpts Parts. from it. Yeah, yeah, it is very that's boring. All. It's very dense. That's- you know, that I, is all you need. Yeah, I don't do. think I would be able to make it through the whole book. I'll never read it again. Yeah. Ever. But um but I am actually really surprised that it's that difficult to attain. 
modern world, mm -hmm. baby. Well, on eBay at least. Well, I Good think on it's your a violation of, uh, of free speech, if you ask me. Uh, moving on, we got a, a, a guy who actually uh, used to listen to the show a while ago. And just a confession here, I don't remember this guy at all. At all. Oh, like, maybe. I, I don't. I was like, I was trying to think. I'm like, God, he has, he's got kind of a cool name. Maybe Harrison gave it to him. Maybe I gave it to him. I can't remember this guy at all. And I don't think it's the marijuana. I just don't think he's a very memorable person. Oh, anyway, maybe if our listeners will remember, maybe they'll remember on the Discord. Possibly. Hey, D. Hey, new girl who is in Harrison. I don't know who you are, but I. <laughs> new girl. You've only been doing the show two years. Can I just say that there is the fan theory on the Discord, which I am neither confirming or denying, that me, Wackily, and Harrison are all the same person because we have never all appeared in the same room at the same time. Not confirming, nor denying. It's a very interesting conspiracy theory. I think I'd believe in the vibrating butt plugs <laughs> more so than that one, but hey. Uh, this is the newest sideshow, Bob. It's been a long-ass time since I called. And, uh, Suicide Show Bob, great name. You Harrison think, named him that. You think, or maybe I might have. I'm a huge fan of uh, The Simpsons as well. Uh, but I can't for the life of me remember this guy at all, or the name, or any calls that he's that he you know had in the past. But anyway, it depends how far early on in the Harrison era he was, because I only started listening to the later years of Harrison. Well, see if this jogs into your memory. Okay. Not a self-absorbed little whiny film school shit anymore. Yeah, I pulled my head out of my ass. I realized I don't actually have to do everything myself. Uh, that on tour bullshit is a waste of time that makes you miserable all the fucking time. Who would have thought? And uh, yeah, things are good. I actually have a job in D.C. I'm not trying to have the world come to me and I'm actually paying people to help with the projects I want to do, I'm uh, figuring it out. And I'm not just some crybaby anymore. I get mopey sometimes because my new job sucks and we're understaffed. But luckily we're unionizing, so that should, hopefully that won't fuck all of us. You know, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, it's, it's good to, that you're, you know, being a little more proactive in your life. I honestly don't remember you being a whiny film student, but maybe. Uh, I was going to say, show me a film student that isn't fucking whiny. Yeah, they all are. Because I think it's part of being a film student. If you go to art school, I was at art school for seven years. Like, if you think I'm whiny now, go back to those days. Well, I'd like to count how many film students don't have trust funds. You know, it's like they're that almost all entitled point. fucks that are going to whine because their films, you know, aren't being made the way they see it. You know, it's like, but yeah. at the same time, you don't have to, you know, most, I, I don't know, most of the film students I know personally and who I've known personally aren't people who need to be concerned about having a regular job. So they can whine. You this know, is they, like the, if Kessler had lived, this is like maybe what Kessler would have turned into. I doubt it. I, mean, I, still, I still think I could never, I could never picture that guy ever having a regular job. So right, yeah. I don't think he ever did. Fund. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, he had a trust fund. He definitely did. Um, 
you know, Leander, he went to film school, same film school Kessler did. Although Leander actually did end up working in the industry. I don't think Kessler ever really did, but, you know. I mean, Leander also wrote a, a blockbuster hit. Well, I don't think he actually <laughs> wrote it. But uh, he, he was he screen doctored a few uh, a few uh, uh-huh. successful scripts. Anyway, it might you never know, but you know whatever happens happens. Yeah, um, I'll probably never hear the episode over this place. So yeah, man. Hope you're good. I'm doing good. Hope things keep going good. That's all we can hope for anymore. So yeah, have a good night. What a bizarre call. Like this, so the guy doesn't listen to the show, hasn't called in for years, and then he just calls in, says, Yeah, my life is going good. I'm not a whiny film student bitch anymore. I actually have graduated from college, entered into the real world like a normal person, have real world problems, forced to get a job and survive for myself, you know, and uh I don't listen to the show anymore, and I probably won't listen to this call. Have a good life. Do you think he's like um, a lot of people who, when they stop listening to the show, that they claim their life is better because they didn't have such negativity in their life anymore? You know, I think this guy used to call in, and me and Harrison used to make fun of him for being a whiny, like entitled film student. And I think what happened, he might have been like, fuck you guys. And then now, as he's, you know, out of college as most people do. And when you're in the, you know, you got to like pay your Real rent world. and you got to pay your car payments, you know, and you have to like, you know, buy food, you know, and, and wash your own laundry. I think once you, once you realize that, you know, how to live your life, then you kind of look back on those years and you're like, yeah, I was kind of a whiny bitch. And I think he just realized that and he's calling in being like, yeah, you guys are right. I'm not a whiny bitch anymore. Good for him. But I don't know if, him, you know, not listening to the show anymore really affect his life, you know, in any way, you know, negatively or positively. But there are a lot of people that do call in that say, as soon as I stop listening to the show, my life took a turn for the better. Fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, like this show is cursed. I would like to say that all those people are like true crime poses then. They're like the people who watch a Sky documentary and think they know everything about the serial killer. It's like, no, I've been reading about serial killers since I was 15. Nothing will ever make me stop reading about serial killers ever i love it who knows i don't know i think everyone needs i need the negativity i need it i think everybody's looking for an excuse looking to to place blame on something else other than themselves so anyway (laughs) (laughs) good for you suicide show bob i'm glad you're moving on with your life the question i have is are you getting laid i doubt it people call the signal hotline 323-522- Four zero three two. We do want. We do actually want to hear about you. You. You might be some. There might be some gentle ribbing, but it's all. You know, it's all with with love. It's it, it's banter, mate. As we say, it's just banter. <laughs> if we give you the more banter, we actually give you back. It means we actually like you more. That's the British way. Exactly. I agree with that. I actually agree with that. I think that's the Brit. That's the Brit inside of me. Um. Yes. Once again, thanks to all the listeners who support us on Patreon. I know we go on go off on Patreon all the time, but we do appreciate it. You you help to keep you help keep the show going directly. You help keep it sick and wrong every week. And I forgot to mention before, but Overkill this week, uh, Kate, you're doing it on Hammer Horror. 
Yeah, I watched a ton of Hammer Horror films, but it's it's more about the ladies of Hammer Horror. So, like, is it just kind of who's the sexiest Hammer Horror vixen? Kind of. It's very hard to do that to them because they're all like fucking goddesses and they all kind of share very similar career paths. But I'm basically going through like some of the main Hammer Horror babes. It's just so we can like look at hot babes together because who doesn't enjoy doing that? It's a retrospective on the Hammer Horror babes. So go yeah, check it out this week's Overkill. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign, sign up today. We do appreciate it. Uh, also, if you want to get some uh, Sick and Wrong merch, especially the holidays are coming, I think a Sick and Wrong Skull logo banner is a great gift Perfect. for your grandmother. I think that'd she be, would love it. She would love it. I think, get, get it for your nan. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And uh, yeah, buy, buy your family, buy your loved ones some Sick and Wrong merch. Uh, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. So I wouldn't say this is better than ELO because ELO is one of my favorite bands. There's not um, much better than ELO. But I think it might be more topical. Okay. So there's an album that uh, came out by uh, the Jizza and <gasps> DJ Muggs called Grand Masters. It's a collaborative album that came out, that came out in uh, 2005, and it's all yeah. about chess. So yeah, Jizza, yeah. Wu-Tang is actually really into chess, but Jizza is actually like... He's like a, a an avid chess enthusiast. And in fact, this is a funny story. Um, I was talking to JoJo. So back when JoJo worked, this probably would have been like mid-aughts maybe, 2004. Um, he worked at a bar called House of Shields. That's where I met Joe. And so he was a bartender there. And they did a, a chess, a RZA hosted a chess competition at House of Shields. And Joe was uh, serving a drink to Jizza, and they just ended up just chatting, and kind That's of pretty cool. yeah, and like we're talking for a bit, and then Jizza was just like here, and gave him like a I don't know like a souvenir Wu Tang chessboard. Nice. Yeah, he still has it. I was like, yeah, That's Joe looks ch- playing chess as well. Yeah. I can't ever play chess with Joe because I would flip that board. But if I fought, I was going to lose. Yeah, Joe is a, an avid chess player. But anyway, Jizza's like really into chess. And so uh, he uh, did this uh, collaborative album called Grandmasters. So he was saying, there's a quote that he said when he released this album. He said, chess is the ultimate board game. Monopoly is not in its league and checkers doesn't compare at all. Chess is civilized war. It's a mathematical thing. It's science and it's strategy. That's life all the time. Just planning your day, being 10 steps ahead and seeing the moves ahead. That's what chess is about. I'm not the greatest player. I'm not a master or grandmaster. I lose a lot, but I learn. I've been defeated plenty of times. I'll play online. I might have 900 wins and 850 losses, but I play all the time. The game is fascinated, and I am captivated by that. The album I just dropped is called Grandmasters. That's the highest level you can reach when playing chess, and it's also the highest level of emceeing, producing, and DJing. And so the titles are all... Chess related. Chess. So, so this song is called Advanced Pawns. And uh, it's probably my favorite song off the record. So anyway, we're going to end the show here with Advanced Pawns from the album Grandmasters cool. by the Jizza. People will be back next week with episode 871. Till then, take it sleazy. Attention! Yeah, yeah, special guest appearance. From the slums. Yo. Hey, yo. 
Examine your diameter, throw it out like the camera. Be careful, I got four ninja beside your parameter. Perimeter, flame burst out all sides like camera. A poisonous is released, gas from the canister. Raise the black fist, we keep the earth on its axis. I make a good day move, slow like molasses. Welcome to the beehive, do a processing with the G5. It's not a take with this go break, I can't revive. It is high tech, brought a fire wire and microchip. I come from the 36 chambers of danger With many lyrical swordsmen and quick changer The difficulty to see closely is mostly It's a critical point when your rap niggas approach me Like the blind deaf dumb who mine was left numb A non-beat boy nigga couldn't rhyme to the drum When I started MCing I entered the gates of pleasure Not knowing I'll be coming with too much to measure With the math of an elder and the skill of a welder The path of trade that I had laid down the hell the blueprint that would draw attention like the Pope. I examined all with the internal mirror of the scope. Deluxe edition, cream with a touch of wisdom Beans that disrupt the system, strings I conduct you Listen, how you gonna tell me no, yo, the fuck you isn't Locked in the full rock radius like a public prison 22-year-old done, ain't got a cup of pissing But he got a bottle gun and that knuckle twitching And he got a baby mom's and a cousin bitching With the catch of body, now he's stuck in another prison well, you see it, you better acknowledge it All swords, blaze of green, hunting fours Full out on you, blew you for the cause And Sudan oust the nigga to prove you from my Plan. This is water glock, aces on camera sniffing raw. Why I try to fuck with these lecturers? I'm so high powered, my electrical structure blew down the floor. You was king for a second, I reign. Came with a different name, the WTC family and more. One. They applause when I make my entrance. I move on with age and experience before I start the sentence. The rhyme was designed to meet most of man With enough to compensate, fertilize the land We blew out the belt drive and see we felt vibes Powerful dark, narrowly missing the whole tribe Scientists look at the magnitude of devastation But the strands of heavy metal seem to have no relation But it's always potential for large-scale disasters Because the instrumental spins a hundred times faster Many was taken, it's at the price of a pawn And the collective loss had left a thousand or more Them clansmen are the nucleus of Hip-hop, there's no room forever MCs will get dropped Evidence of terrifying threats from heat pressure Powered by strong winds that blew rhymes off the dresser The word spread through the town from Yonkers The leopards is to kill off the slang with the city-wide effort But they couldn't be more wrong My clique was all strong Fit together seamlessly till you're all gone Would you call yourself a misogynist? Excuse me, uh, what's the definition of that word? A woman hater? No. No? no. What do you think of women? When it comes to chess, uh, not too much. What about other outside chess? Well, I don't think they should uh, mess in, the, in uh, intellectual affairs, you know what I mean? They should keep strictly to the home. A woman's place is over the hot stove, eh? No, they can't cook, but they stay in the house cleaning and things. <laughs> what can they do? Well, you know. <laughs>
And she'd just be at home, waiting for the man to come home, and I'd go.